Hello and welcome to the What The Heck podcast, a show that looks at mysteries and the unexplained. I'm your host, Glenn. Every week I look at something unexplained, telling a story or describing it, then look at the theories surrounding it. I won't give you any answers because I don't know them myself. I'll just give you what you need to decide for yourself. Research is done as academically as possible and references will be given after the stories. This is a creature feature episode and this one is a folklore episode. This week, we're looking at a familiar animal, the unicorn. A staple in the world of folklore is just a horse, or is it? often seen in times of need or as a magical steed to aid heroes in their quests. The unicorn is just that, and more. The first time unicorns were mentioned anywhere was in Greece. The writer Theseus mentioned them in his work Indica, which means on India. He supposedly got his information from his time in Persia. He wasn't alone either. Aristotle describes the creature similarly, and another one known as the Oryx. It's thought that many people drew their descriptions of unicorns from the area of Persia, and carvings have been found on a sculpture in the ancient city of Persepolis. A merchant from Alexandria gave an account on unicorns. He was visiting the king of Ethiopia and saw four bronze statues portraying unicorns and wrote about what he learned. He claimed that the power of the unicorn was found specifically in one part of it and noted that they had tremendous abilities, even throwing themselves off cliffs to avoid being captured by humans. It was able to absorb the impact with its powerful body part and survive to live another day. The Persians, the Greeks and Pliny the Elder all said that unicorns live in India but Julius Caesar later decided that that idea was incorrect, saying that they lived in Celtic forests. Pliny the Elder had said it was a hybrid of other animals, creating a vastly different image to the unicorn we know today. The unicorn even appears in the Bible. In one story, Adam names the unicorn before any other animal. When he and Eve were expelled from the Garden of Eden, the unicorn is said to have joined them, adding an element of loyalty to it. However, unlike Adam and Eve, the unicorn was allowed to return to the garden every 100 years. The visit allowed it to eat the vegetation and drink the water that renewed its strength. Later, the unicorn appeared in the story of Noah and the Great Flood, It was said that the unicorn was too large to fit in the ark and had to be tied to the back and pulled through the water. By the 12th century, Pliny the Elder's hybrid theory was removed from the law. The unicorn overwent a small image change. It happened once again in the Middle Ages when a set of tapestries were completed. The unicorn tapestries, also known as the Hunt of the Unicorn, are held at the Cloisters in New York. 
a series of seven tapestries. They date to around 1500 CE. In the tapestries, hunters set out to capture a unicorn. In a botanical sense, the tapestries are mostly accurate, but they ignore the seasons by putting plants in bloom during a time when they wouldn't usually. Each plant is preserved in its prime state, which gives the tapestries an enchanting sense, showing the best of nature for the magical creature. In one of the tapestries, a snake curses the water of the forest. The unicorn makes the water safe again, causing it to be a representative of Jesus. This was a complete change to the unicorn's image. In the early days of Christianity, unicorns were said to be ferocious beasts. This is thanks to the depictions of Theseus. During this time, the unicorn couldn't ever be captured, only tamed by a virgin maiden. She would be required to sit quietly until a unicorn found her. In her presence, the beast would lose all ferocity and lay its head in her lap. When this happened, a hunter would be able to capture or kill the unicorn. In the unicorn tapestries, this is seen, with the maiden turning away when the unicorn is killed. These legends created a link between unicorns and virginal women. It symbolised purity, which stood alongside its ferocity when it fought. Some tales said that the unicorn could smell purity, and that was why they were lured to the maiden. Others added a strange element to the stories, suggesting that unicorns would suckle from the maiden. The idea of purity is why the unicorn was adopted as the symbol of a ruler. It showed that they were able to be benevolent and provide for their citizens and give them a safe, happy life. A unicorn even appears on Florence's Neptune fountain, showing that the water is pure and safe to drink. This brings us to the national animal of a specific country. Scotland, to be precise. The unicorn was first added to the Royal Coat of Arms of Scotland in the mid-1500s. Here, two of the creatures could be seen supporting the coat of arms. When King James VI of Scotland became King James I of England, he replaced one of the unicorns with the national animal of England, the lion. This was a display of unity between the countries. All was not well though, because the unicorn and the lion are in constant battle for the title of King of the Beasts. Something that needs to be mentioned in the coat of arms is that Scottish unicorns are always depicted in chains. Some believe this to be a symbol of how Scotland is owned by England, but others dispute this and believe that the chains, which were initially gold, were a way of showing the power of Scottish kings because only they had the power to tame the untamable beasts. We've now looked at the origins and the story of the unicorn, but I haven't told you how they were described by the people who recorded them. Let's do that now.
The unicorn has appeared all over throughout time, being reimagined to fit where they needed to be. That meant that they went through several descriptions throughout the years. Tezius described the unicorn as a creature with a white body, dark red head, dark blue eyes, and a white, crimson and black horn. Quite different to the image you may conjure in your mind when you think of unicorns. Pliny the Elder described the creature in a completely different way. He said that it had the body of a horse, the head of a stag, the feet of an elephant, the tail of a boar, and a three-foot-long horn that was black. When we look at descriptions from the 12th century version of the unicorn, we see it morphing into its current form a little more. But only barely, since the unicorn, although a horse-like creature, was said to be very small. Roughly the size of a goat's kid kind of small. This description didn't last for long though, because the unicorn tapestries were just a couple hundred years away. It's in those tapestries that we begin to see the unicorn in the modern form. The tapestry depicts the unicorn as a white horse with a horn on his head. The small stature reappears in the painting Virgin and the Unicorn by Domenichino from 1602, but its full size returned as time went on. Marco Polo even got involved in the descriptions. He described it as being close in size to elephants, with hair similar to a buffalo's. They had a black horn in the middle of their head, which was described as being similar to a boar. He said that they enjoyed bathing in mud and slime, which sets it apart from the pure symbol that was a characteristic of the unicorn at the time. Much later, people realised that he was actually describing a rhinoceros and that even then he was wrong in his description. In modern day depictions of the unicorn, they are simply white horses with a single horn, with a spiral pattern adorning it. But that's not the most interesting thing about them now. They have a lot of magical powers that have been sought after by humans for hundreds of years. People believed that the unicorn's horn was the source of its power. It was able to absorb the impact of a great fall and was depicted purifying liquids in the unicorn tapestries. Legend said that the purified liquid could cure any poisons and scholars believed that it had the ability to cure epilepsy. One king of Aragon suffered from the condition loved hunting and was interested in astrology and alchemy. He was said to have been desperate to own a unicorn horn. Some believed this to be a symptom of his flightiness as a monarch, and others thought it was an attempt to exercise his authority. The fact was that he was willing to throw his country's entire military might at the creature to get hold of one of these horns. This story continued and does have an ending. The Count of Armagnac sent a piece of unicorn horn to the king, Joan el Casador. Joan poisoned two dogs to test the horn and touched the piece to one of the dogs. Reports state that the dog that wasn't touched with the horn died from the poison and the one that had been touched survived. 
it's not stated whether Joan cured his epilepsy with the horn, but he did go on to cure subjects of poisoning with it. Botanist Nicholas Culpepper advocated for the medicinal properties of the unicorn's horn. He claimed that it helped to provoke urine, something I don't understand, but I guess it means that it causes urination, restore vitality, and helped to bring on a birth. Even the Worshipful Society of Apothecaries featured two unicorns on its crest. The society was founded in 1617. Many apothecaries were said to have sold powdered unicorn horn as well. Some of these purchases were simply narwhal horns, and others were from other antlered animals like the oryx. It wasn't just the horn that was said to have magical properties. Hildegard of Bingen believed that unicorn liver, when mixed with egg yolks, could cure leprosy. She also said that a belt made of unicorn hide could protect from pestilence. In more modern iterations, specifically in the Harry Potter books, unicorn blood has the ability to give eternal life, but at a huge price. What that price was has never been explored, but the book explains that whoever drinks it is doomed to live a half-life. With more knowledge about what the unicorn looks like and the significant powers it possesses, let's have a look at what people think it really is. The unicorn is a majestic creature that's very similar to a horse. Their horn carries magical powers, making them a very precious creature to capture. But what do people think they are? Early modern ideas of the unicorn were based on the Bible. Evidence for their existence was not difficult to find. Pliny the Elder's natural history backed up the Bible and Aristotle's descriptions although related to the oryx and the Indian ass, were still relevant. The Bible offered considerable support for the existence of the unicorn. Conrad Gessner, author of Historiae Animalium, cited Psalm 92 verse 10. It said that David announced that his horn should be exalted like a unicorn's horn. Deuteronomy and Isaiah also refer to unicorns. Unicorn replaced the Hebrew word re'em in the Latin version and the King James Bible. Modern translators believe that re'em actually referred to aurochs, a kind of wild oxen in the area, rather than unicorns. 
A skull was discovered in the Pavlodar region of Kazakhstan in 2016. The skull belonged to an Elasmotherium sibiricum, a creature that roamed the earth around 29,000 years ago. Known as the Siberian unicorn, the creature actually looked more like a rhinoceros than a horse. That's what the Elasmotherium part of its Latin name actually means. The Siberian rhinoceros stood around six foot tall and weighed about 8,000 pounds or 3,630 kilograms roughly. The biggest shock of the discovery was that scientists thought it had gone extinct 350,000 years ago. They think it managed to survive that long due to the nature of Siberia and how it would have acted like a refuge for the creature. But the unicorn was seen all the way into the Middle Ages. So it can't be the Siberian rhinoceros, can it? Well, there is some good news. The unicorn has got to be real. The World Wildlife Federation, WWF, allows people to adopt a unicorn. By doing so, you receive a cuddly unicorn, magazine subscriptions about unicorns, a spell book, crystal ball, rainbows, sparkles and more. The website goes on to explain that unicorns aren't actually real and that if people want to adopt real unicorns, they should adopt a rhino, which is what people assume the unicorn is. Often poorly described, the Indian rhinoceros has similarities to the description given by Pliny the Elder. This is the most likely description, but we don't know if unicorns actually live in the darkest recesses of our planet. Whatever you want to believe, the unicorn is one of the most mysterious creatures in the world. Where are they and why can't we find them? I don't know, but maybe we'll discover them one day. The story and descriptions from this episode came from a Mythology.net article on unicorns, an Icy Sedgwick article called Unicorns, the Myths and Legends Behind the Glitter and Rainbows, and a National Trust for Scotland article called The Unicorn, Scotland's National Animal. The theories from this episode came from an Edward Worth Library article called Unicorn Theory in Early Modern Europe, a good housekeeping article called Yes, Unicorns Were Real and Now We Have the Fossils to Prove It, and a page from the WWF website called Adopt a Unicorn. References for the episodes and links to studies will be posted on social media for you to have a look at. Social media links are available using the link in the episode description. I'm on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, and I am in the process of starting the YouTube episodes as well as posting short clips onto TikTok using those. I do have a Patreon but I don't think I'm going to post anything on it this season yet. There is a £3 tier if you do want to support me anyway. The link to the Patreon is also on the link tree and as before you're welcome to pledge more than £3 a month and I'll find something extra special for the people that do. 
My email address is also in the episode description if you want to send me spooky stories, unexplained events or even mysteries you want me to look at. If I get enough, I'll set up some listener episodes to read them. Please don't hesitate to email me if you have any corrections or issues with things that I've said. Once I've seen the email, I'll make sure to correct myself. The next episode will be out on Wednesday, and next week's creature feature will be out on Saturday, March 4th. So hold on until then.